Hi, I'm John Hickey. Welcome to episode 16 of According to Hickey, a podcast designed to help you get a little bit more out of your day at work and your time at home. live from tech to success in queens new york and thank you everybody for listening it is episode 16 of the podcast going on great we took a couple of weeks off uh naturally i was just traveling a little bit summertime and we also set up a new little podcasting area in the office purchased a mixer and some heavy duty audio equipment so that we can add guests to the podcast haven't booked or scheduled any guests yet, but we do have the capability now to add a guest to the podcast. We've got a nice couple of chairs and a nice little table here to sit at, as well as all the necessary equipment. So uh, in the future, there'll be guests on the program. Last week, I spent time with uh, NAMA in Washington, D.C., NAMA being the National Automatic Merchandising Association, which is the organization that serves the vending machine, self-checkout kiosk, and office coffee service industries. And we went down to Washington, D.C. for a fly-in advocacy event. And what we did was we met with our uh, congressmen and state and local senators and expressed to them the concerns that our industry is facing and asked for their support on a number of different uh, bills or pieces of legislature that are going through uh, Congress and the Senate now. And uh, this year we had a pretty light agenda, but in the past we've had some pretty uh, heavy-duty impacts on that vending industry, such as uh, nutrition and health requirements. But, um, but in any case, the, the whole experience in Washington, D.C. is wonderful experience. If you've never done it before, I really recommend that you do it at least once. If it's not to go visit with a congressman or a senator, uh, just go to D.C. and experience the nation's capital. Uh, It's a great town. It is very walkable, so you can see all of the monuments and a lot of the museums and different features of the city, everything that you'd want to see in Washington, D.C., you can walk there. We we actually purchased tickets for the uh, bus. My wife and son and my niece joined me on the business trip, so that was that was good. And we took advantage of the downtime to go see the monuments. And one of the my favorite things to do when I'm in D.C. is my morning run. I take through the monuments and uh, do a nice, I guess, like a four four mile run, right through uh, what's called the uh, National Mall. I think it's called with all the the different monuments. But in any case, Washington, D.C., when you get there, it's a very, um, it's like a lot of office buildings. Washington, D.C. just has a lot of cool things to see, right? So the favorite thing to see, of course, is the uh, the Lincoln Monument. And then when you turn around from the Lincoln Monument, you've got that reflecting pool that has the Washington Monument. You've got all within a short walk is the Vietnam Memorial, the World War II Memorial, the Martin Luther King Memorial, Roosevelt and across the way is Thomas Jefferson and then you have the uh, and those are all like 24 hours you could just go visit them and walk up to them middle of the day they're totally packed but early in the morning or late at night it's nice to walk up there Um, and then you have the Smithsonian Museums Uh, 
and the Smithsonian museums, they're all free. And that's the best part. You know, you don't, you're not there pulling a lot of money out of your pocket to go see everything. The one thing I found a little um, strange about D.C. is there's not a lot of nightlife. Or maybe I just didn't find it with the family. So we ended up just doing more, uh, checking out different monuments at night or, you know, walking around the grassy areas at night. But uh, there's, not a lot, there's not a lot to do. Everything kind of closes at 5 o'clock or 5.30, uh, you know, the government buildings and everything. So... But in any case, Washington, D.C. was awesome, and if you haven't been there, it's definitely something I would recommend you go do. Not sure the best time of year. I guess the best time would be down uh, in the springtime when they have that cherry blossom. The trees are all blooming, but I, I, I don't think you can pinpoint which week those trees bloom. But that's a good time to go, and uh, the weather's pretty good. We were there in mid-July. It was flaming hot, um, and of course... On one of the days, I needed to wear a suit and tie and just completely drenched my suit and tie because there's a lot of walking when you're on Capitol Hill. But if you do get a chance to go to D.C. and actually go see the uh, the Senate and the uh, Congress, what, what you'll end up noticing is these buildings are beautiful. And, and the whole process of you know the nation's capital, they really spared no expense in making these beautiful buildings. Uh, when they did, I don't know when they were built or whatnot, but when these buildings were built, they were built unbelievably well. All of them can be traveled within each other underground. So um, if you're meeting with a congressman, you ask for a intern or someone to escort you to your next meeting, because it could be a good half a mile walk to your next meeting. But in any case, we, we had a good time. The process for a meeting with the Congress people and the senators was, was pretty interesting. The, the day before the event, the organization gave us um, talking points and some material to give to the uh, elected officials, I guess, or the politicians, so that they could understand what we, what we were asking for and, you know, have some takeaways. But when you go to meet with the politicians, most of the time you're meeting with their staff. And, um, and that could go one of two ways, right? So in one, in one of the meetings we met with, we met with, uh, Kirsten Gillibrand. So I'm in New York. So I met with all the New York, um, legislators and we met with her staffer. And when we met with her staffer, she was actually one of the people who was, um, working in that in that subject matter and knew the position of the senator and, and was able to respond very quickly and, and she was really well educated on the topic and, and that was pretty cool. And then in another senator's meeting, the staffer really didn't even know what we what we were speaking about. So it was more or less, you know, leave your flyer and we may or may not ever read this. So it's kind of um, hit or miss depending on who you speak to. And then we had one meeting with uh, Grace Meng who is the uh, congresswoman from Queens. And she actually was great. She knew my business. She was familiar with my business. So she was, um, she was, she was really good to speak to. I was very surprised that she knew my business. She also knew of my wife's business and had actually uh, done been there and um, been at my wife's uh, children's party hall. So that, so that was really cool. And so when you actually meet with the congressperson and they're familiar with who you are and, you know, what your role is in their district or area that they cover, um, you can have a really good meeting with a congressperson. 
when you meet with a staffer, sometimes you're meeting in a hallway because there's not enough office space, and that's a little ridiculous. But I guess if the staffer knows the subject, you, you've got a good chance of getting your point across. If the staffer has no idea what the subject is, there's you know a low shot of getting anything done. But, um, but once again, like I said three times already, if you haven't been to D.C., if you haven't participated in the process, um, hook up with an organization. There's, there's a lot of organizations that fly down to D.C. and do uh, these advocacy meetings with uh, senators and congresspeople. And if you're unable to participate in a meeting with a congressperson or a senator or an organization, just go down to D.C. for a day or two and check out all of the different monuments. It really is a, a nice experience, and there's no question if you've got kids in school, this is what they're learning about, so they've got a nice um, association with what they've learned in school and then what they actually see. And, of course, with all of the political um, tug of war that goes on currently. There's a lot of different people there protesting and uh, a lot of different messaging getting ac across down there. But it's it's definitely great to go be part of that process. And I, for the last time, I'll recommend it in this podcast episode. And now switching gears, um, one of the things, since we're speaking about DC and the government, I'm just going to speak a little bit about your social security number and one of the podcasts that I listen to regularly is the Clark Howard podcast, and I recommend that for anyone who has not listened to it yet to give the Clark Howard podcast a try as well. Of course, only when you're not listening to this podcast, and certainly I haven't put out enough episodes yet to be an exclusive for anybody, but, but the Clark Howard podcast, one of the subjects he was speaking about last week was your personal information at a medical office. And they say that one of the biggest risk areas for your personal information is in the medical office. And we've all been through that process where you walk into the medical office and they hand you a clipboard with five or six sheets of paper on it. And on every one of them, they want your social security number, they want your date of birth, they want your home address, they want your family information. More or less, they want everything that is required to steal your identity. And then what they do is they take that information and they turn around and put it into some file cabinet that looks completely insecure and in some offices have been there for 40 years and who knows who has access to that file cabinet, who has access to that data. There's so much staff, you know, going through the, the office, you know, and you, you can't say that staff of any kind is either um, not going to take your data or they will take your data, right? It, it, it doesn't mean that you see some of these people that steal from their companies. These, these people are making good money to begin with. So it's not a matter of, hey, only poor people steal or only these types of people steal. Everybody steals, right? So it, it doesn't matter. Rich people steal, poor people steal. And, you know, the wrong person gets a hold of your data. You, you can be in a world of hurt with your stolen identity. So what Clark Howard was saying is that the only reason that the medical office takes your social security number and the only real necessity for them to take your social security number is simply so that they can collect their fees from you if you don't pay them or if your insurance company does not pay them. So the information that Clark had offered is that there is a list of social security numbers that you can use 
when you don't want to give your social security number to either a doctor's office or to relatively any firm that asks you for a social security number, and the only reason that they need that social is for a future purpose of maybe coming after you in collections, right? So I recommend that you go to Clark.com, that's just C-L-A-R-K.com, I believe, and get that list of social security numbers that you can use when you're in a doctor's office or any kind of medical office to put in there, and they are social security numbers that are not assigned to anyone else. However, they are, um, they are able to be used so that you can prevent people from having your correct social security number on those medical forms that are filed in a box somewhere for everyone in that office to have access to. The other item that was announced in relation to your social security number is that the Equifax breach was settled and there's a class action suit for settlement where if you were impacted by the Equifax data breach, you can be eligible for $125 cash, uh, which essentially is for you to get credit monitoring services. And I was one of the people that was affected by the Equifax data breach. I have not yet claimed my $125. And certainly, if you did have more expenses, if you went and purchased a LifeLock or if you had any kind of identity issue since the Equifax data breach, you can certainly put in claims to receive more, um, I think up to $20,000. But if, you, if, you, if your name is on the list and you have not um, really been affected, but your data was taken as part of the breach... Go to Equifax and get your $125. In order to file your claim, you can go to FTC.gov, which stands for Federal Trade Commission.gov, or you can go to the website EquifaxBreachSettlement.com. That's EquifaxBreachSettlement.com. And there you can file a claim, get your $125. Uh, pretty easily. I think you just have to give the last four digits of your social security number and your birthday and they'll mail you a check. So uh, so that's cool. I'll take the $125. I, you know, I know they got my data anyway. And certainly claim your $125. You know, they also offer free credit monitoring for 10 years in exchange for the uh, $125. But if, you know, I, I would recommend that you just use uh, Credit Karma that's a credit and karma, K-A-R-M-A, is an app on your phone. Uh, I use that for credit monitoring. It's, it's great. And they do let me know anytime someone does check my credit or anytime there's something going on with my credit report, I do get a notification. So credit karma works really well. And then I think I've uh, done an episode before, but you should absolutely freeze your credit. If you don't, if you're not in the process of requesting credit, uh, credit right now, definitely get to the, the three major credit agencies, TransUnion, Equifax, and Experian, and put a freeze on your credit so that no one can request credit on your behalf or even check your credit report uh, on your social security number. And the process to unfreeze your credit is so easy. I did it recently. I'm in the process now of getting a lower interest rate on my home so that I can reduce my mortgage to 15 years, and which would take seven years off. So when they 
asked for my credit report to do this mortgage, I had to go on to the different websites and unfreeze my credit. And so long as you keep the passcodes to unfreeze your credit, it's, it's super easy. And not only that, but it says, how long do you want to keep it unfrozen for? And then if you want to keep it unfrozen for two or three days or even a week, you just put the dates in and it will automatically refreeze it when that time comes. And it'll send you a notification that, you know, your, your credit is back to being frozen. So the two things you should do, get on EquifaxBreachSettlement.com and file a claim for your $125. Millions of people were affected by this, so there's a really good chance that you were affected. Um, get your 125 and then also get on to your credit reports and freeze your credit. So those are the two things that are really easy and everybody should absolutely do it right away. And once again, thank you all very much for listening to the episode today. I am going live with the new equipment for the first time, so thanks for your patience as I maybe fumble through getting everything right and continuing to work on my skills as a broadcaster here. And once again, I am very interested in what your process is to end your day and go to bed at night. You know, what, what does the end of your day look like? Almost like all of the information that we know about waking up early and, you know, your morning routine. What's the right evening routine? What's the right go-to-bed routine, end-your-day routine? I'm very interested in hearing what people have to say about that. So please send me an email, john at tech2success.com. Or you can go on tech2success.com and leave a message in the, um, in the uh, form there and I'll, I'll get it. So be sure to like and subscribe and share with your friends. But thank you very much for listening. And Victoria, take us away. Thank you for listening to According to Hickey. We hope you have a better day at work and an even better time at home. Please head over to iTunes or your favorite podcast platform to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. According to Hickey has been brought to you by Tech to Success. For more on how your business can grow by leveraging technology such as cloud hosting, e-commerce, Office 365, Opt Connect connectivity, website design, and internet marketing, visit tech2success.com. Please connect with us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For these links and for show notes, previous episodes, and more information on the podcast, please visit tech2success.com slash podcast. Please join us next time for another episode of According to Hickey.